You are listening to episode 149 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name is John, and this week, I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we're trapped like rats in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So, trap like rats. Are you sure it was rats or mice? It was rats. Dude, either way, I feel like Krusty should be well on his way to becoming a level two adventurer. Yeah, so we played a... Uh, classic. What was it? Krusty Super Fun House? Krusty Super Fun House for the Super Nintendo. And uh, Super... It okay. was. <laughs> super okay. Super okay. All right. So, uh, this week, we've got some interesting, interesting news afoot. Uh, the first one is N64 Classics may finally be coming to the Switch, says an insider. Although this insider, I believe, also said that the Game Boy games are coming. And, well, we've seen how that's gone so far. Uh, if my mouse would work right, I could get to the next scene here on what's uh, in our notes. Uh, the saga behind the new PS5 heatsink explained. And uh, China sets up a platform to police gaming firm violations, which... Um, I think we've talked about both these in the past. Obviously, this, the heat sink we talked about like several episodes ago, and then uh, China and their platform uh, we actually had talked about, God, probably like 20 or 30 episodes ago. It's been quite a while. Uh, but, oh my God, dude, my mouse does not want to work. You may have to control this mouse today. because uh, think... We have been having issues with mice all morning, first in Super Fun House and now in real life. And now this, yeah. <laughs> Digital okay. mice. We are good. I think the battery's going to die on this bad boy, so that would explain a lot of why when I'm working, because I use wireless, why my mouse just like stops in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's not a signal matter. Charge your mice. Yeah, I need to charge. Get new batteries for your mice, people. Treat yeah. your mice well, and they'll treat you well. I think those batteries are two or three years old now, so... Uh, but recent pickups and currently playing, uh, well, I got a new phone. That was my new pickup. So I got a uh, OnePlus 8T, and I like it. So my wife has been getting on my case for the last, I don't know, like four months to get a new phone because my other one was having so many issues, and I finally was just like, screw it, I'll get a new phone. What's the first game you played on your new phone, John? Um, nothing. No, oh, the first, the first game. Uh, if we count it, uh, the Game Deflators podcast, episode 148. That's not a game. But it is a great way for you to spend your time. And if you're interested in checking that out or any of our other wonderful episodes, you can do that on any of the uh, wonderful podcast platforms out there. You can check us out on our website. You can check us out on our social medias, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators, everywhere else. And as Ryan forgot to say, our URL, thegamedeflators.com. Yes. Yeah. So good stuff. Uh, leave reviews in there. So you're Keep not up. a big mobile game player, right? No, not really. I mean, unless you consider Snake. But I, I, don't, I don't have a Nokia anymore. So. Yeah, I dabble yeah. slightly in mobile games. Is that all your pickups this week? Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. I think that was it. Oh, I, well, I bought some CDs. Um, some CDs music. don't count on the podcast. I know they don't. And then, I, Oh, but what does count is... CDs? Uh, somebody that likes to listen to CDs and collect the artwork. Thank you very much. You were talking to somebody who has like 2,000 video games just sitting there yeah, I with know, artwork. But you could, uh, yeah, that's different. Though. Dude, I have I'm s- not a big music person so, for anybody oh, out there. Actually, Don't hate. so what I am going to do, though, is my old phone, my OnePlus 5T, I'm going to take that, completely wipe it, and then load it with MP3s that I have, like just that I've had for years. So I'm going to upload that, and then... Um, 
utilize that as my new way to play music in my car because it actually is through Bluetooth. So all I got to do is just put whatever I want and you then have my full have battery. Spotify. I could, but I can't. Well, I don't pay for Spotify and I don't want to pay for Spotify. And I can just have tons of music, some of which is not on Spotify. Mm. I have a lot of MP3s and stuff from over the years from just CDs I'd purchased and, you know, put on my computer and transferred via iTunes years ago sure. and just other CDs that people gave me. Mm. And uh, there's bands that like you could search them up on Spotify. You're not going to find them on Spotify. <laughs> so that, that's kind of where it comes down to is like a lot of those no name bands that I have. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then. Yeah, the phone itself, dude, just to talk a little bit about that one. So pretty cool. It's got like a warp charger to it. And it can fully charge my phone from like zero to 100% in like 20 minutes. And it has like eight you just hours sit there of battery and watch life. watch the battery go up. It, dude, it's insane. Like I just, it's funny when you plug in, I'll show you after we record, you plug in this little thing comes up, it's and like, it's, zoop, and yeah. then it just has like the numbers like going up quickly. Yeah. And it's insane. I'm like, we, uh, we played D&D the other night and, um, when we finished D D, we came home, of course. And I was like, well, gotta let the dog out and all that good stuff. Gotta, you know, go to the bathroom, brush my teeth, everything before we go to bed. I was like, let me just put my phone to charge and when it's done, I'll just walk over and grab it. And dude, it was cool because it's like hundred percent right off the bat. You know, just from I think it was at like sixty or seventy. So like between the time it took me to like get ready, take the dog out and all that good stuff, my phone was fully charged. So it was really nice. So uh, definitely look into the OnePlus phones if you haven't before. Um, it's pretty much the alternate to, you know, your Google Pixels and your Samsung devices and iPhones and all that good stuff. Uh, you're going to get a lot of those same really cool features. So, dude, I'm pulling 256 gigabytes of space in this thing, uh, 120 hertz refresh, 48 megapixel camera, relatively large screen. Uh, I think it has 12 gigabytes of RAM on it. Uh, as well as a Snapdragon 865 processor, uh, which is the equivalent to a lot of those phones that are out there. In fact, it's stronger than my wife's phone, and hers is a 2021 Google Pixel 5, I think, and mine is a 2020 release. So it's, it's pretty cool. I'm happy with it. I like big phones. So, uh, All right, so that was all that I picked up. And then as far as what I'm currently playing right now, I beat Ori and the Blind Force with my wife. So nice. yeah, dude, we enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we didn't 100% it or anything like that, but it was just, it was a good game overall. And we were pretty stoked about it. There was some of the uh, stuff towards the end started to get pretty challenging. And she was just like, nope, you take it from here. And I was like, all right, that's cool. So like the final, I don't, dude, I don't know names, obviously. So the final like boss battle where you're like running away, spoiler alerts, from like this giant bird or owl or whatever that they have in the game. And uh, it's just insane because like the whole thing is just one run. You can't screw up. And it's like swooping down to kill you while you've got fire chasing you and all these other crazy enemies and stuff coming your way. And we just, it pretty much took everything that you built up within the game all your different abilities and you kind of had to use a lot of them in that final area. That's what you want in a good final level, final boss is the culmination of all the actions that you've been building. And that's yeah. that's always the thing that I've heard that makes Ori great is just how much it builds on itself and like 
really layers and you feel like really rewarded and successful of mastering all the different things that you yeah throughout and and we could have easily mastered a lot of the other stuff like there was probably i think like six abilities that we didn't master mm-hmm. like total like six little spheres so we didn't master everything and by all means we didn't get every single health build up or anything along those lines but we did enough that the final like it was challenging enough on the final boss area uh the final run through which was essentially a speed run and we just enjoyed it. And so right after that, we popped in. I should look up an Ori speed run. Oh, God, man. It's probably insane. Um, and then we ended up picking, or not picking up, but ended up pulling out uh, Rise of a Tomb Raider on PS4. So booted that up. That's pretty cool so far. Definitely enjoying that. And uh, the last thing is I'm still playing God of War. I actually dug into a little bit more this week. I finished up um, Alfheim. Okay. Yep. So I finished that area up. And then I went into... There was like some vault I needed to go into of like some dwarf that collected a bunch of stuff. And when you go there, the ghost of his dad or something's like, oh no, he's disappeared, blah, 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 like long ago. Exited that. And then I've entered, um, I'm trying to think of where it is. Uh, it's just another like cavern based system in the game. And uh, I'm trying to think of like what it was called. I don't remember offhand. Dude, I'm terrible with locations, but I'm thoroughly enjoying the game. I'm enjoying the boost at this point. I was talking with Chris last week, old ass retro gamer with him on filling in. And uh, one of the things that we had talked about is getting used to like the equipment and such and having to build that up and leveling that because I'm not used to like that component. I'm used to, oh yeah, you've got, you know, Kratos' weapons and oh yeah, you get these new abilities and it kind of builds from there. I'm not used to like, equipment management for you know kratos and so yeah, that's definitely been... there's different ways you could build like i was really building towards like the magic and the powers and stuff yeah more so than other things but i mean it's it's just such a good game i'm still so early on that there's not much for me to do as far as you know trying to build things up like everything outside of strength strengths like in the 80s everything else is like in the teens outside of my defense which mm-hmm. i think is like 30 uh and yeah i mean all my like equipment is probably level three level four at most uh so still very early on the game but i am enjoying it i'm enjoying the you know ripping enemies apart and um atreus i actually remember the name for once and just like his bow and the equipment upgrades for him and the cool things you could do with that character so uh i'm liking it so we'll uh we'll see how how this continues oh i just got past you'll you'll get an idea of where i'm at then i just got past when you clear out the black smoke coming from the side of a mountain so i just entered the mountain okay yeah i don't know how far that is but i'm sure it's early on i don't really remember it's been so long at this point all right man well uh did you get anything so lots of stuff going on this week uh so i started screwing around with my new phone a bit more and i got genshin impact and i think that it's pretty interesting so far i think it's absolutely gorgeous and it looks really cool uh, so I'm messing around with that a bit. I'm trying to set up the crossplay thing with the PlayStation, but I started on the phone first, and I guess it's easier to go from PlayStation to phone than start on phone and go to PlayStation. So I actually had to uninstall it off my PlayStation. I'm gonna try to reinstall it and see if I could get it to work this time. I didn't. And I had to like do something that I'd never done before for the PlayStation. I had to set a port forwarding mm-hmm. to open my NAT type connection on my router so that I could use the other band on my router. Like for some reason it wasn't working before. Hmm. I just didn't know. So I switched it over and I got way better internet now. So, that'll so work. I've been wanting to play Genshin potentially on, because 
I, I played it on the PS4 a little bit, not too much. I wanted to play it on the PC, but I heard that you can't do like playing on the PC and play on the PS4 like continuation. Like, can you do that on the phone? Like, it's can you... supposed to be like crossplay like that. Yeah, so I don't think it is for PC. I mean, maybe something's changed since then, but I recall that I could not do any sort of crossplay between PS4 and PC. I don't know. I haven't looked into it really too much on PC stuff. Um, <clears throat> also tried Magic the Gathering Arena on the phone. Uh, that's been having some issues and not really booting up the last couple days, so I haven't delved into that too much. Um, also, the Xbox Cloud Gaming. I was going to show you this earlier. I definitely want to get one of those controller mounts mm-hmm. for my phone. I'll have to modify it a little bit. I was going to say, how the hell are you going to fit up? Well, I do have a little metal plate here so that I could put magnets in one of the controller things and just makeshift it up a little bit, and that should be fine. After we record, I need to see your case because, like, how? How does that <laughs> like so uh if you didn't hear last week ryan got the um z fold 3 yeah, the z fold 3 by samsung which pretty much has well two phones in one <laughs> essentially and yeah it's really cool but the one thing i questioned ryan on is like what the, how the hell do you case this thing and now i see a case and i yeah, this just like wraps around the edge here yeah it's definitely interesting okay continue um, continue Cloud gaming. Cloud gaming on the phone. Awesome. Yeah. Like, because I was playing Psychonauts on uh, Game Pass on my Series S, I can just pick up right where my save data is on my phone and play. And that's actually really cool. And once I have, like, the controller, I, there's even, like, touchscreen controls uh, for some games. Like, I was playing a little bit of, oh, God, what was it? A touchscreen game. Yeah, I booted something up on here. Oh, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Mm-hmm. But I was out of the house and not in an area with Wi-Fi. It was really laggy. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know if that's something... You know, if you were out somewhere where you had, like, a decent connection, that'd be one thing. But probably at a busy breakfast restaurant wasn't the best play to really test it out on. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to keep running some experience with those and see how that goes and how much. I've never really been huge into mobile gaming, but, I mean, this really breaks the the mold on yeah. that. Um, Hitman 2, I picked up on PS Plus. Not really interested in Predator Hunting Grounds. And then I'm getting very excited. We were talking earlier, Magic, uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt comes out. At Dude, the I'm, end of the next week. I'm stoked. So I'm really that, pumped yeah. for that. Uh, like I said, mostly playing Genshin and Magic Arena a little bit. Um, do want to finish Psychonauts. Do have to finish Mario. Uh, lots of cool stuff coming up soon. Well, and then beating me in Magic uh, today. I did. Yeah. With my elephant deck. That was disgusting. <laughs> I was not expecting that. So Nobody expects the elephants. Nobody expects elephants. Yeah. And nobody forgets the elephants. Yep. You never yeah. forget the elephants. Yeah. Uh, it was it was brutal. So I tried to do a little playtesting of Ryan with my Legacy Goblin deck, which is not fully built, mind you. Uh, and I, I was able to beat him one time. And it was kind of nasty, the one game I beat you. Yeah. Uh, but it was brutal. It wasn't fast enough. So I got to make it faster. And there's ways to do that. But it costs money. Right. So, so much money. It's going to take a while. It's like $600 in cards to make it the way it needs to. So we'll see. Uh, anything else? 
Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Okay. Well, uh, let's jump into our first article here and uh, really our first discussion. So, the N64 Classics finally coming to Switch, says Insider. This is Ewan Moore of Gaming Bible. And so I want to say it was him or it might have been Kotaku that we were, you know, reading before. But So the, the actual insider is Nate Drake. Okay, and that's who I think we had referenced last go-round of, like, the Game Boy games, if I recall. But either way, so we were speculating on Game Boy games kind of coming on to the Nintendo Switch, part of, you know, online and whatnot. And uh, it was supposed to happen Saturday, so yesterday. They were thinking it was going to happen because of the anniversary of the Game Boy. Did not happen. Now there's speculation that they'll be bringing in uh, Nintendo 64 games onto the Nintendo Switch. Which, it's kind of leading me into this question, dude, of what is Nintendo's like overall game plan here? Because they're taking a lot of these retro games and they've been you know, re-releasing them in, in certain manners, right? Is this a situation where Nintendo is kind of potentially going to start looking into creating new IPs? Are they going to be uh, doing remasters or just general, like, not even reboots, but, uh, like, sequels potentially to a lot of these games that they're putting onto their virtual console? Or is this a matter of Nintendo's just, you know, popping games on there for us? I think like, it's just a way for them to... Like, they've always had a bad online service, I think it's just a way to try to squeeze value and subscribers out of, of that service. service because yeah. a lot of people aren't really going to go for the service or think they need it or want to use it unless they're you know really wanting to play those first-party Nintendo games online. I mean, there's so much sales still on Mario Kart 8, so I'm sure all those people want to play Mario Kart online with people. So adding more value, we talked about this last time, adding more value by having more of these old retro games available just is a good incentive to get people in. <clears throat> yeah. In the article, oh, in this article, she's talking about how, you know, if they do bring in newer stuff or more stuff, there's a potential they could have an upgraded service. So basic Nintendo Online, just NES and SNES games, and then Nintendo Switch Premiere pro online edition be like five dollars more a month and get you n64 and game boy games and i think that that kind of does make the most sense because like if they if they are thinking about putting n64 and game boy on there i don't think there's going to be a huge splash if you announce just game boy and if you announce n64 there will be a splash but nobody's going to get excited later on down the road when you announce game boy then so I think if they did release it as a premier product, that you had the two, like I said, the NES and the SNES on the regular, and then have a higher tier include Game Boy and N64 on top of that for five extra bucks a month. I mean, you're paying that five bucks just for those. Like you're not going to get more online services or anything else for that additional money, just those two other retro consoles. And I think... Like I said, you can only get this hype cycle so big. I think doing both of them at once is going to be much more effective than trying to do the two individually because nobody's really going to get that excited for doing this that many times. Well, even consider this. What if Nintendo kind of goes back on what they've been doing in a sense and you run into a situation where 
you know, they're saying, okay, well, $20 for just basic online service. Oh, $25, you get Nintendo. $30, you get Super Nintendo, Nintendo. $35, $40, and so on uh, for each console. That could be something, too, that well, they're doing. Just not enough, there's not enough service there. And when I... When but, I... but it's a way to increase the revenue and put it towards those services, potentially. But, I mean, Nintendo has shown time and time again that they have the wonkiest online process of any of the big three companies out there for online gaming and they they act as if you know the way that their online service is set up they act as if they're back in the ps2 era with like the you know the beginnings of broadband yeah and trying to get people set up online i mean i, I probably had easier access getting in online games on playstation 2 and xbox growing up than i do on nintendo switch like i think that's just what it kind of amounts to yeah, so. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, they're supposed to be doing that Nintendo Direct sometime this month, so yeah. they got a couple weeks left. Is there anything in particular that you're like looking forward to? I mean, like the N64 library in general to me, like a lot of people love it and think it's great, but they've already taken so many of those games and put them out. Like a lot of the classics, Majora's Mask, uh, Link's Awake or not Link's Awakening, sorry. Link, what, uh, yeah, what's out there Orcarina that you're time. not able to play that they're going to put out like is there a way to play Jet Force Gemini right now? That would be a cool thing to yeah. have access to. But it's like, but like if you, you can't already just go on and play Mario 64 freaking anywhere. Yeah. But like, yeah, exactly. Mario 64 has been released however many times it's been released over the years. And then like Banjo-Kazooie and all that, is Microsoft going to allow them to put that on an online service? Are they going to allow any of the other rare games on there? Donkey Kong obviously can go on there. But um, I don't think there's enough heavy hitters that haven't been, you know, re-released at some point in time over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, uh, that it makes it like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like super appealing. I guess if you, uh, had the N64 games years ago and got rid of them and, you know, now you've gotten a switch and you haven't had anything in years past, like this is your first Nintendo console in years and you want your kids to kind of jump on it and, and grow up with these titles. And yeah, it makes sense. But for somebody like you and me, who have been picking these like retro titles up over the years as they get re-released it i'm not super stoked about it to be honest well and like i mean my my friend he got uh the new phone also the other day yeah and within 20 minutes of having or no this was yesterday yesterday he came over he got the phone a few days ago yesterday he came over and um I have a uh, emulator on my phone with Paper Mario and it yeah. looks awesome especially on this big screen. Within 15 minutes he downloaded Dolphin and was playing The Thousand Year Door. <laughs> so it's like that's what Nintendo's competing against is the ability for somebody to just have a dope ass phone and pull up a GameCube game. Yeah. Like when that's something you could do in 15 minutes and it's taken Nintendo 5 years to get N64 games onto the Switch. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It's definitely something that people want, but I don't think it's stuff that people are going to use. Like, I don't think people are really playing a lot of the Nintendo games on the online service right now, and I don't think adding N64 is really going to bump that up a lot. I really think Game Boy is going to be a more successful approach. I honestly think that both are going to be a failure because Game Boy games haven't aged well in the years either. But at least they're made for like they're made for gaming. that handheld yeah. type. Yeah, I get it. Well, all right, let us know. I what just you think. always associate the Switch as the handheld system because I hardly ever dock it and play. See, I only play in docked, so for me it's a little different. 
Uh, but yeah, let us know in the comments on, um, you know, of course, this podcast application that you're listening to, if you have the ability to do so, uh, or just on our social media pages. Give us your thoughts. All right, next up. Yep, the saga behind the new PS5 heatsink explained. And this is Kotaku, Ian Walker, who I want to say we had an article with last week and a week before that. And we read a lot of Ian Walker stuff. You know, and I like the... Uh, Hashtag could be a sponsor. I like sponsor. the way he writes. I, I wrote a little note to myself. I like your writing. So I think that maybe everybody reacted really quickly to half a pound of missing metal in the PS5. And we kind of talked about this and we thought, you know, we would have to wait and see what happens once they do some more testing and stuff. And now it seems like people are really committed to being in the middle and saying one way or the other that, you know, it might be bad, but we just don't think it really is going to be that effective. And then everybody else is like, okay, well, what about down the road? Yeah. And that's what my worry is. is like, if you kind of consider it a PS3, you know, the Xbox is different. Xbox, they were blown out left yeah. and right the 360 years ago. Uh, but the PS3 took a while to get to that yellow light. You might have had a few heatsink issues here and there. Or not heatsink, but like overheating to yellow light mm-hmm. of death, all that good stuff. Um, you know, later on the life cycle. But for me, I played a lot of my PS3. And it was probably about four years. Four to five years, I would say. Before my PlayStation 3 just crapped out was it a launch model it was a launch model yeah so about three four years or about four years i'd say afterwards it crapped out and so it does make you wonder you know looking at the issues the ps3 had are we gonna have those same issues with the ps5 you know because of the uh the thermal pace and whatnot that's on there are we gonna have the same issues with the ps well ps4 and then are we gonna have the same issues with how the much PS5? has thermal pace technology evolved in the last I, decade look I, i'm not the right person to ask on that one that's usually the issue people have and they say that after a few years you probably want to redo the uh, thermal pace on the back of your mm. i guess the processor i guess uh on your ps4 ps5 and so i to think keep there's it supposed going. to be better contact with this new heat sink uh, maybe but that's the thing that everybody's speculating right so like it does run a little hotter and even in, in this guy's article, from uh, he was referencing Gamer Nexus and something that they had done. And Digital Foundry. And Digital Shout Foundry. Shout out to Digital Foundry. I feel like everybody shouts out Digital Foundry. I feel like they do so much heavy lifting for the industry. We could all just quote them and feel good about it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they reference those guys. And they even found within the studies that there were some elements that were good and some elements that were worse. And so I, I really do think it's a wait-and-see approach. I'm kind of skeptical on buying a PS5 right now because I don't want to run into an issue Just where... Just wait for the second gen. It'll yeah, be better. Well, I mean, we're in a second gen, technically, because you've got, um, you know, these new heat sinks and wait for all the these slim other changes. Gen. Slim gen. <laughs> slim gen. <laughs> I'm just thinking slim gyms now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. As long as it's got slim a... Slim gens in sep- September. In September. Oh, dude, I see your reference there. Uh, but yeah, so I'm thinking if there's a disc-based version on a slim model of PS5, I will pick it up at that point. Uh, but as of right now, I'm super skeptical. You can't find them anyways, so why even bother? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I know yeah. That's what people are saying is like, either way, they're so hard to get right now, people are just going to get what they're going to get. And the thing is, they're not going to make more old-style ones moving forward. So I would wager like, I mean, how long do you think until that starts to become its own market where they, we're going to see a price break between the two models? Well, like, I mean, it'll it'll have to wait until they're just ubiquitous enough to find. 
It, it would be on the third-party market you have at issue, and it'd be similar to the PlayStation 3 of the backwards compatibility. I don't think it's that big a deal, though. I don't think people are going to pay that much of a premium. Never know. Depends on how much people panic over it, you know? It'll be that situation with uh, a disc-based model, for sure. If they get rid of the disc-based model down the road, that disc-based well, model disc is going to go for model quite a bit. is a lot more akin to... But there's going to be way more disc-based models than there were those backwards-compatible PS3s. Yeah, I would agree. Well, the backwards compatible PS3, I think, was for a couple of years because they yeah, went. But they'll make disc-based models for more than yeah. just a couple of years. Well, sure. and then even like the 80 gig uh, systems when they were released, they had backwards compatibility, but you had to download the uh, software to oh. do it. So wait, really? Yeah, and they couldn't just release that software for any of the other fucking ones. Well, I think they removed other stuff later on down the road because I think with those you had to have like two uh, laser eyes mm. to be able to read them. If I recall, can't they just? Like better lasers. I I don't know. I'm, How will we be ready to fight the Decepticons when they come? We won't be. That's the problem. We won't be ready to fight the Decepticons. This is all your fault. That's why we highly need the Autobots. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why they're here, Ryan. That's why that truck sitting at the corner of the road is there, just in case. You never just know. Just in case. <laughs> There's farmland everywhere <laughs> around here, so who knows? Tractor Tron. <laughs> Tractor Tron. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's Tractor Miss Prime. Tractor. Oh my God. I remember back in my day. <laughs> it's got it's shuck, like an old pickup. It's robot. like shucking corn as an op, as Optimus. Uh, okay, so the third article that we have here. Uh, China setting up a platform to police gaming firm violations. This is actually the Associated Press at ABC News. So this kind of tells you where this one's at. So we had talked about this a while back that China was pretty much limiting gaming for kids. I don't remember the age group uh, in you know which it stops, but pretty much saying they can game from the hours of 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. One hour each day. And this so is this actually is, lower. It used to be an hour and a half. Yeah. And this is online games. Yeah. We don't know yet if there's going to be an enforcement or how it would work to enforce single player games. I mean, there is DRM for always online for single player games on certain games. And if China was to try to like mandate that as like a universal release criteria, for criteria for China, then I guess that that would be just one thing. I think that the reaction of this is going to be huge, but in a way that I probably can't predict yet. Like, I just, anything this restrictive and tight of a lockdown has got to have some kind of backlash. And whether that's going to be, like, more, like, I don't know, people just kind of rebelling and trying to get online however they can or whether it's going to like bleed out in other areas. I just, it's just is such a bad idea. Well, I mean, well, I mean, it's, that's just that country and, and how they manage things. And it's different from what we've got here, obviously in the States. But what I wonder is how is this going? Like, okay. So enforcement wise, right? Say you're a parent and you're like, I don't give a shit. If my kid is playing, you know, three, four hours after school on like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 
But what happens when that kid goes to school the next day and is bragging to his buddy that his parents are letting him play three hours every day? Well, then you get a bad social credit and they take away your ability to use public transportation. But think about the fact that like when this happens, these kids are going to be ratting to each other's parents. Oh, well, so-and-so well, gets to play whatever. The whole system yeah. they're talking about. They it's built this insane. rat system just like they did with that stupid well, shit in this Texas. Is, this is for companies. Yeah. So this is gaming firms that are breaking that violation. I'm talking parents that are knowingly breaking it because they don't care mm -hmm. and other families ratting out those families yeah well that's already a thing like you already get ratted on in china for doing anything with that social credit system they have yeah that, that's true it's a scary place there's there's you know and i also was just listening to a podcast on the way here apparently uh the day that china adopted this uh south korea just lifted a gaming restriction ban. Really? Curfew thing that they had. Interesting. In and it makes I mean, you it wonder. It just shows like, you how things change in the world and, like, you know, how, like, there's these systems where they want everybody to, like, keep tabs on each other for the government and for corporations and for other shitty people to make money off of people just, like, taking advantage of each other. It's, it's such a monster of a horrible thing. Well, and that's what bugs me about like, and not to get political, but like some of the directions some people want us to go and other yeah. countries in the world with like more government power on things. Like this right here is, I mean, we're not going to become a communist nation by all means, not anytime soon, but this right here is scary stuff. They're coming like, for our poo. They're coming for, oh, for, did you say Apu or? Our poo. We our need poo. poo. Oh, we need a poo. Okay. <laughs> Okay. They I already thought, got him in China. I was like, they already got Apu in The Simpsons years ago. He's <laughs> right? been, he was canceled a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I can just see this as an issue for other countries in the world. Like, can you imagine other countries in the world adopting this type of methodology on gaming and what that means for the industry as a whole? Can on you the, imagine what it would do to American kids' test scores? That's How true. bad we would look? That's true. We would actually look really good. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the world implements it but us. Everybody else is playing three hours of video games a week. Meanwhile, U.S. teenagers, TikTok. Hey, but you know what? <laughs> TikTok and party dance. Until... Just like the Olympics, we'll be conquering the esports world. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so we won't have to worry about retraining our youth in esports. That's the future. Yeah, that actually kind of, I thought about that too. It's like esports is becoming such a big thing on a global basis. And the Chinese teams are so good. And yet all of these kids are being limited to like one hour. Yeah. Like, it's so, going to destroy esports. Like they're not going to be, I mean, unless they can somehow get onto like a team, unmonitored servers or, that they can practice on, they're not going to have enough time to compete. Yeah. Or maybe there's like, you got to play like 60 hours a week. At least. It's kind of insane. Or maybe there's like a team specifically that they can join and kind of like a, a club like of a some sort. Like a government sanctioned thing. Yeah, something along those lines where the government has oversight into what they're doing and allows for playtime I mean, and everything else. They're definitely going to want to keep competing on the world scale. Like knowing how good China is, like there's no way they just say, okay, well, I guess we'll just be the worst at Dota 2 and just take that hit. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like China's like, yeah, we'll just be the worst at Dota too moving forward. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's definitely an interesting situation overall to like keep your eye on. Um, it's, I would consider 
world news for the most part. Like this is actually bigger than a lot of the topics that we talk about. Like this could have ramifications for like a lot of other nations, especially if China's like, look how successful this is. Look how our students are now, you know, a plus students. And, you know, mm. they go outside and they join multiple sports teams and do all these crazy studies. Does the rest of the world try to start following suit in yeah. doing something like this? So, I mean, and this is the other thing that's interesting about this. Usually when you see video game stuff in the news, it's like the loot box thing or violence. And it's kind of stuff where it's like, well, is it this or is it that? And how are we going to react to it? And it's a slow build and stuff. This is just the government saying no. Well, and they're, well, they're, they're just slamming their fist down and taking it into it. Nobody's really done that. Even with the loot box thing, like it took forever for them to be like, these are gambling. And then they even still were like, no, we're not even going to take it down. Well, and this is trying to like curb gaming addiction for children. But like, I grew up playing a crap ton of games when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I get it. Not everybody's the same. Not everybody's raised in the same manner. Not everybody has the same type of self-control in their day-to-day life. But, you know, that kind of comes down to parenting in a sense, I think games too. are different now, though. Like, the way that games are made is not, like, the same Skinner Box technology did wasn't like a thing when we were kids there weren't like trying to like fortnite their way into your brain and steal your wallet they were literally just trying to sell you whatever they could for fifty dollars but and that's a that's a problem i have right is this an issue with gaming addiction and children and bad parenting or is this a situation where governments need to step up their game against the you know the actual developers of these games and the giant corporations that are trying to push the loot boxes and the addiction based things down these children's throats? That's the thing. Gaming in general isn't bad. In fact, there's a lot of educational components to gaming. It's the addiction part that I understand. But why are you blaming the children and parents for this? Go to the source of it. Like, if you, I think like, you blame the parents. Well, yeah, you can. But like, think about this. Like with cigarettes, right? If you're going to put a ban on cigarettes, for example, do you blame the 12-year-old kid who decided he's going to pick up smoking because his friends picked it up and he happened to get a cigarette? Like, are you going to ban him and say, you can only smoke one hour a week? Or are you going to go after the company itself that's targeting children? Right. You're going to go after a company targeting children. So why are we taking, you know, the gaming industry and saying, oh, let's go ahead and target the kids and the parents and limit them? Well, you can't regulate games the way that you regulate drugs. You totally can it's not the same. We have a rating system, for God's sakes, where like things have to change in games to make sure that's market ready. They could totally do that and say, this content is not allowed. We will not approve this, or you need to patch this out. Like there's, We're in an era where they can make changes on a whim. Like They can remove entire sections of code if they well, want and to. And they do that like all the time, like those games that like, now that you have to disclose on the box that it has loot crates and stuff, yeah, they release it without it, and then they patch it in after launch so that it d- doesn't even go on the box art. I know, so, and have to get approval. Yeah, so why are we going after families when we really should be going after like EA and such? Greedy EA. Yeah. Well, enough on that. Let us know in the comments what you think. You'll probably see this on Facebook as a post of some sort for you to comment on. Anyways, uh, but so do it. Our inflation deflation for this week. Krusty Superfund House. Uh, what is that? Audiogenic. I need to get better glasses. Yeah, Audiogenic, Audiogenic is a developer. Acclaim is a publisher. Designed by Fox Williams. <laughs> Funny enough because it's Fox. Uh, released in uh, June of 1992. Uh, it is a puzzle... I would say puzzle-based platformer, not just a puzzle game. That's what I was thinking, but I don't know that the platforming really has any 
bearing because there's no like you don't die. Yeah, but there's, there's enemies. Nothing, like the platforming is just how you move. Hey, if I gotta jump on platforms, this is a platformer. So I would consider it a puzzle platformer, although it's a Super puzzle Smash game. Bros. Super platformer. Smash Bros. platformer. Uh yeah, there are platforms in some stages. Uh, but the reception on this was surprisingly like Crazy. a seven to nine with a lot of nines. Yeah, there was like a ninety, a ninety-one. This got some high ratings. Entertainment Weekly gave it a A minus. Yeah, it was up for like best NES game of the year or some crap like that. Yeah, from game. Uh, Nintendo Power. Yeah. So craziness. Overall thoughts on this. Uh, Krusty, like you said while we were playing, was not the Krusty Univision. He wasn't depressed. He was happy. Uh, there was. For this game in particular, you had we had like eight rooms, I think. This that we had is to like go a through. Lemming style or a yeah. Mario vs. Donkey Kong style, where there's like minion things that you got to get from one part of the stage to another using puzzle elements. Yeah, and so you have these rats that are in Krusty's Funhouse, and he needs to basically smash them or lead them through pipes to a little box where Bart Simpson is noted with like a hammer and like smashing rats. And so you got to use certain elements, as Ryan said, to get them to climb over obstacles to get to these pipes and, of course, into this area where they are smashed by Bart. It's pretty and, basic. Yeah, pretty straightforward puzzle game. And, you know, the puzzles were actually... There was a few that were quite... Chal- not quite challenging, but there was a few where I was like, wait... You had to think. Uh, yeah, I got to... Okay, I can put this here. There was one where I messed up. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I got to restart the level and do it all over because I should have done it on this side versus the other. And it was pretty interesting. Like, at first, I was like, man, this is like the worst game we've ever played. And then it started to grow on me. Now, this is actually a pretty decent puzzle game with some cool elements. What bugged me is like after we got through the number of levels that we got through and we had like the golden lock door, I was just like, we were already so far in at that point and, and ready to stop. I was there's like, really well, no can't sense open it. of progression. Like after you beat a level, there's not re- really any like, okay, yeah. now what? Like there's no like real conclusion to it. So moving forward was very much like, I guess you just kind of choose your level, do the puzzle, come back. We didn't make it all the way through, but the reviews really only led us to believe that there was about a half hour of fun to be had with the game to begin with. Well, I made it all the way through seven of the eight, Mm -hmm. and we just... You were kind of like, well, time-wise, you know, we got to get the recording and such. And, you know, could we have gotten to that last level in that last puzzle area? Sure. Maybe we there's up. even another room of puzzles after that. Because I got to imagine there got to be more than 10 puzzles in the game. Oh, I would for hope. sure. Yeah, I would hope so. But we'll have to watch a YouTube <laughs> review on it and uh, and see how far they get in that one. Like, how long in general is this game? I would, I would probably gather that... It's probably a few more rooms like that. There might be like 30 puzzles in total, I would think. As a game, it was okay. As a Simpsons game, I, there was a couple crusty lines in there. But and other than that, Some nothing. of the stuff, like I mean, it had like Otto in the background. It had Moe's Tavern sign. It had Bart standing next to it. It was bare bones. It was very bare bones. Very not. This also was on everything, basically. So when this came out in 92, it released like... All the way from DOS to Genesis and everything in between. So it probably was the same game, but just toned up a little down for the graphics. So it wasn't really going to be a whole lot better than what you would get on a Game Boy, really. Yeah, no, I would agree with you on that. It just wasn't, you know, at the end of the day, it it didn't feel like there was a lot going for it. You know, we played Simpsons Road Rage, which obviously you couldn't record with us last week and discuss that one, but... 
Um, that has a lot of Simpsons references, of course. And, and yeah, it's, you know, uh, a later, later game, um, in terms of PS2, but even like hit and run, same deal, man, like tons and tons of Simpsons references. And I think even when you look at like, uh, what is it? Bart's nightmare and like the mutant one and such, there's gotta be more elements of Simpsons in those games. Even though I haven't, I actually haven't played those outside of like the Simpsons arcade. There's a lot of Simpsons references in those other games. This one was just very... I don't know. Felt empty. Didn't feel very Simpsons-esque. And granted, it's a crusty game, so it makes sense that there wouldn't be a ton of Simpsons, but there was enough that it kind of just felt like they were masking it, right? Most tavern sign a background. A poster with auto. A poster with... Just kind of with, a lazy you know, approach. Yeah. It was just very, very Or, lazy. I mean, not... I wouldn't even say lazy, like... It was just an early game. Yeah, but there's other earlier games that came out on Simpsons that were better. At least I would think. Mm. As far as referrals are concerned. Yeah. references are concerned. Yeah, so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, though, uh, yes, it was a lazy game and how it was created. But when you start looking at the puzzle elements and the controls and how everything kind of worked out and the overall gameplay. The uh, bizarre choice to go with a crusty game. Yeah, that's like true. I almost wonder if this was just another game and they just like to differentiate adapted like adapted it to license because it was like okay if we throw Simpsons on here it'll sell way better than whatever the original idea was because Krusty is an odd choice for a main character especially because it's only like four seasons into the Simpsons by ninety two right it started in eighty eight actually it's only like three years into Simpsons okay and in june because it was christmas of 89 i think it was the first episode so you're looking yeah, at that's right 90 91 like two and a half years yeah so it's weird that crusty the clown gets his own game that early i mean by then it was it was a big hit but it wasn't like a cultural icon yet yeah and crusty being the main one that like you said but you know i think in those earlier episodes crusty is a big component of bart's life in the show so it would make sense to have because they had the bart games so you got, you know, America's Bad Boy and Bart Simpson and then his icon, Krusty, with a game as well. I could see why they would release something like that. Um, you know, here's the deal. On a on a 10 scale, I would say the game oh, is like yeah, It's eight. right here in the three lines of development on the wiki I didn't read. Originally released as Rat Trap on the Commodore Amiga, it was developed by Fox Williams for the British software house Audiogenic, who licensed it to Acclaim Entertainment, the U.S.-based publisher's of a range of games based on The Simpsons. Yeah, so that's our answer right there. So that alone just kind of... you just know, a whole and, other game. And just to kind of um, reiterate, Ryan and I don't do a huge deep dive on the history of some of these games. We like to sit back and enjoy it and kind of discuss like this, like we're doing. And yeah, I mean, you kind of called it right off the bat that this game felt lazy. It felt like it was something that was not meant to be The Simpsons and was just kind of masked over. And yeah, you're right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, you were a little pink-haired kid. Yeah. So overall, I mean, and that's the thing. Like overall, I would say an eight if you're looking at it on a scale of ten. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, that looks so much better too. Why throw Krusty in there? Why aren't the rats like scratchy looking? That's true. Why aren't they? Or itchy. 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 And why isn't Scratchy in there instead of the uh It should be a an itchy and scratchy game instead of a crusty game altogether. Yeah, that's you know what? And at the end of the day, that's just Although then you would have to have the catch time because Yeah, that's he always true. loses. Well, yeah, that's why you replace uh the snakes with uh Scratchy. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um but you know, 
I can see why he wouldn't have been in there because, like you said, it was just masked over. It was something quick to get in the market and throw the Simpsons name on it. All right, Brass Tax. Yeah, Brass Tax. So most expensive version, you're looking at a PAL SNES complete in box copy at 5073. Uh, cheapest version is a PAL SNES copy loose at 1112. Uh, complete in box is running you yeah, forty two ninety nine peaked at fifty four ninety five. And this is just the super fun house. I didn't include yeah. the regular fun house versions. Yeah, well, I mean, super because Super cheapest. Nintendo. Yeah. Um, forty two ninety nine complete in box peaked at fifty four ninety five in March of twenty fifteen. That is trending downward. Uh, loose copy is going to run you yeah, sixteen fifty one. That is actually at the peak right now. Uh, continuing to trend up like pretty much all retro games. I would say this game in particular. I would not pay anything more than ten bucks for this game. All right, I've got a different opinion on this. Follow me on this one. $20.53, you can get a complete inbox of the PAL Sega Mega Drive version. It's a decent box art for 20 bucks. I'd buy it. Do you have a PAL version Mega Drive system? Okay, no. Uh, if you want the Genesis version, 26 Okay. 26 is a reasonable amount, I think, for, for a complete nice, box. Yeah, yeah, complete in box. Like it's it's definitely not the best game ever, but if you're a Simpsons person, it'll look good on a shelf. Well, and this is a game that was released on a crap ton of consoles, so you have the ability and flexibility to jump onto different versions. You don't have to buy the Super Nintendo version of this one in particular. And if you are looking to buy a Super Nintendo, definitely would say don't pay any more than ten dollars. It is not worth it. For anything above that. Yeah. Um, I, I I guess it's just... Uh, uh, I would say it's inflated. For sure. Yeah, probably inflated. It's not really a great game. And everything's inflated right now. So it's kind of easy to say that it's inflated. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go inflated too. We'll just go full on inflated on this one. Just because... The way the market is right now, but I mean, if you want a cool Simpsons box art, go with go with whatever the cheapest one that you want on your shelf is. So, we got to figure out next week. I think our options are, there's like the Simpsons game on PS3, which I'm pretty sure I have, but I'll double check. And then we've got uh, the NES versions that we can look into as well. And we've got episode 150. That is true. So we got to figure out something special for episode 150. I don't know what we're going to discuss, dude. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Maybe we play... 150 things that you never heard us say you always wanted to hear us say. Starting from A. (laughs) (laughs) All these games are free! That would be nice. (laughs) Well, uh... Yeah, I mean, this is episode 149 of the Game Inflators podcast. We'll be back at you next week with some sort of Simpsons game, some sort of news, something special for episode 150. We have no flipping idea. I don't know, maybe we'll do a giveaway or something. I got some loose games. Yeah, we could probably do a giveaway. We'll figure it out. Well, if you're listening here, I don't know, tag us on social media. Say, I want a giveaway. I want a giveaway. I want a giveaway. I want Krusty's Super Fun House. Uh, I think I actually have an extra copy of that. Tell us if you want an extra copy of Krusty's Super Fun House. Yeah, we'll put you in a raffle. All right, well, this is episode 149 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.